You're listening to the Yakima Chief Hops Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bigger Than Beer. I am your host, Levi Wyatt. We're really excited to have you on today to talk about a, an amazing um, certification that continues to be popping up uh, in our backyards, and we're going to provide some more education uh, and awareness on that. And what I'm talking about here is Salmon Safe Certification. Um, as many of you know, Bigger Than Beer, it's a podcast designed to talk about things beyond hops um, for us finding common ground between all stakeholders in our value chain. So today we have representation from all levels of our value chain, which we're really excited about. So starting at the grower all the way down to uh, the brew house. Um, and then jumping into who we have on um, the podcast today, I'd like to do some introductions just to familiarize ourselves with who we're talking to. Um, Peter, why don't you go ahead and tell us about yourself and your role at Sodbuster? Sure. Hi, I'm Peter Weathers. I work with Sodbuster Farms down in Salem, Oregon. My role is systems manager, um, and I, I'm largely devoted to sustainability, uh, food safety, worker safety efforts on the farm. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Next up, we're going to roll into the Salmon Safe crew. We've got two individuals on uh, from Salmon Safe. Brian, why don't you go ahead and give an introduction to yourself? Right on, we'll do. I'm Brian Maggie with Salmon Safe. I'm a certification specialist. Uh, most of my work involves conducting outreach to growers, uh, both in and outside of our program regarding our, our certification, uh, as well as supporting our growers uh, in the market channels to which they sell into. So. Uh, it's a bit of a dynamic role. I come from uh, my background as a wildlife biologist, uh, and I've worked in food service, uh, food tech, forest service, uh, and also have spent a stint in the craft beer world. So definitely passionate about wildlife conservation and local food systems, and Salmon Safe is a great organization for me to bring that all together. Awesome. I'm going to kick it over to your counterpart, Kevin Scribner. Welcome all. My name is Kevin Scribner. I'm a formal, uh, former uh, commercial salmon fisherman, most of that in Alaska, at least 20 years up there, and have been working with Salmon Safe um, um, uh, for the last 15 years. Um, I'm, a, I'm a compliment to Brian doing outreach for uh, growers in the Columbia River Basin, as well as representing Salmon Safe on policy endeavors. Thank you. Awesome. Um, and last but certainly not, certainly not least, uh, Lane Carter from Aslan Brewing. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Lane Carter. I'm the operations manager over at Aslan. Um, I do a variety of things under that umbrella. Um, the most relevant would probably be I assist with some production management uh, and then sustainability management and certification. So I cover our organic our B Corp certification and salmon safe most recently. Um, and then all the fun stuff too. I get to be head of the fun committee. So it's not a bad gig. Awesome. Thank you all. Uh, we're really excited to have you on. Um, again, I'm really uh, excited to touch on all, all walks of, of this entire process. So uh, in today's theme of the episode, like I mentioned before, we're talking about salmon safe certification, um, what that process entails, um, but for those of you, like, here's a little kind of a tee off, uh, before we jump into the nitty gritty details. Um, but Salmon Safe is a, an amazing eco label awarded 
to both farm and urban lands certified in and around the Pacific Northwest. Do I have that okay, Brian, or could you give us a little bit more detail into uh, what what is Salmon Safe and, and the origins behind the certification? No, that was uh, that was a pretty good description. So you've uh, been taught well by by our team for sure. <laughs> so we appreciate that. But yeah, just to give a little bit more of a primer on what we do, um, we were actually founded in the late '90s by uh, the Native Fish Protection Organization Pacific Rivers, uh, and in that time. Uh, it was pretty contentious. There was just, I mean, if anyone recalls that era, the spotted owl, the timber wars in the Northwest forest were uh, a big defining and a contentious issue in the conservation world. And so the idea behind Salmon Safe at the time, uh, spinning off from that, was to find a collaborative and voluntary incentive to inspire water quality protection uh, and habitat conservation. So uh, from there, you know, we started in Portland, Oregon. Uh, we're still based there. And we started working uh, primarily in Oregon's Willamette Valley uh, with wine growers, small-scale organic vegetable growers, uh, with the goal to begin building the market for salmon safe certified products. Um, pretty much since then, 20 years, uh, we've been expanding up and down the West Coast and across the interior Columbia Basin uh, with the goal of transforming land management practices to protect water quality and habitat, uh, wildlife habitat, and key salmon watersheds. Amazing. Um, my background, just for since we can talk about whatever we want on podcasts, I, I, I grew up on the Western side of the state, went to school up at Western and, um, you know, salmon safe was, uh, something that was talked about, but it was very, I had no clue about what this was and, and to f- come full circle and be in an industry where this is, uh, becoming a prominent certification. And there's a lot of, um, interest in education being spread, uh, not only from our like PNW region, but it's percolating outwards. So, I'm happy to learn a little bit more as a viewer and a listener here, um, but also educate those that are, are tapping into this as well. Brian, I understand there's some certification and guidelines uh, revolving around Salmon Safe. Could you explain what that is and, and, and what that means for, for individuals seeking certification? Yeah, yeah, I, I can speak on that definitely. So I guess in essence, you know, uh, what Salmon Safe means to, to folks when they hear it, it's quite the ambiguous name, um, but it means that the a farm uh, fundamentally is neutral or even has a positive impact on the watershed. So, um, so on the ground, salmon safe is uh, similar to organic certification in that a grower has gone through an independent inspection, met certification standards, uh, and the like. Uh, and basically, from there, um, what our process looks like is we connect with a grower interested in joining our program. You know, somehow we've we've linked up with them. They've reached out to us. We've reached out to them, vice versa. Uh, and then we set up a time for a third-party independent expert consultant uh, to connect with that grower. So uh, we work with a, a network of folks that are experts in the industry, such as that, from a third-party perspective. Uh, we bring them in. They review farm records, just spraying, farm mapping, irrigation, et cetera. Uh, the culmination of that process really is um, boots on the ground. So we'll send that assessor after the review of all those records to a farm. Uh, from there, they'll see the parcel in person, meet with the grower, ask more probing questions, um, and have our standards as a checklist within that. And then, so once that process is done, our assessor will take that checklist of what they've reported on all of this, this, uh, process, and they will send it to us internally. And then we'll go through from Sam safe perspective and then, uh, we'll grant certification based upon that. Um, and just, I guess, to speak a little bit on our standards for just a moment, uh, 
for 20 plus years, as I mentioned, our standards have been cultivated and peer reviewed, uh, largely looking at stewardship practices centered around in-stream habitat protection, riparian and wetland vegetation protection, water use management, IPM, water quality protection, animal management, landscape level uh, biodiversity enhancement. So we're looking at your entire operation, how you uh, interact with the watershed from top to bottom. Very robust, I would say, uh, top down, right? Uh, that's amazing. Um, speaking to like the farms uh, that have been involved, um, how many farms would you say have been registered under the certification and whereabouts are those located? Yeah, so today we work in six different states. Uh, all of our Pacific Northwest states are inland Northwest states. So California, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, uh, a little bit into Wyoming. Um, and we have about 900 farms and urban sites, so total partners. Um, and I can get more into our urban work here in a moment. But, but yeah, so basically uh, 900, about roughly 500 of those are farm. So, And then I guess just to speak a little bit about urban, uh, we do have urban efforts. Uh, we have standards uh, across uh, stormwater mitigation in the urban environment as well in conjunction with our farm standards. And so we work in areas like Vancouver, BC, Seattle, Portland, Metro, uh, with some of the region's leading institutions like Microsoft, Nike, University of Washington, Portland, looking at how folks like them, uh, what they're doing from a stewardship perspective in the watershed and, and curtailing it into urban environment management or, you know, stormwater mitigation. So. Oh, that's amazing. Um, multiple arms to the organization and, and the ability to, to impact multiple people uh, with different business practices, I think is extremely uh, amazing uh, of your organization to do that. Um, are there any size constraints at the farm level, uh, per se, for uh, people looking to get interested in this certification process? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there are some, um, you know, we don't work with like gigantic conventional uh, agricultural entities um, not that we haven't tried but more that it's just difficult for such large and like I mentioned conventional organizations to change and to see value um, clearly like we and probably everyone here sees the value of salmon safe you know from a market perspective but uh, it might be a different story for a larger um, you know operation or one that is perhaps exporting their products to markets that might not have the salmon safe resonate as strongly. But, um, but outside of that, I mean, we work with some pretty large growers too. I mean, even, you know, Levi, where you're sitting, there's some, some bigger hop operations in that area that we've worked with. And, um, so we just, it, it just is a little bit more of an intensive and time consuming process, but we certainly do it. And, uh, you know, for our perspective, you know, the more acreage that is under certification, the better. Um, and that's because when we do look at this landscape level uh, approach, you know, the more land, the better that you can apply these standards to. Uh, it's just better for the watershed. So um, another talking about constraint, too, is, um, you know, there is it, it can be tough, again, for someone who's, you know, working in conventional agriculture to transition. So. You know, we see that working in areas such as like the Palouse uh, of Washington and Idaho, you know, grain production. And there is a movement towards no-till uh, agriculture, of course, which is better for soil health and, and ultimately for the watershed health. But um, it can be tough for a grower who, who isn't doing no-till, who's conventionally been dilling for, 
you know, five generations to, to kind of break the mold and go, this is something I want to get into. So, so we experienced that. And of course, our role in that is to just be as supportive and uh, connective as possible to resources. So, um, but yeah, it's very inspiring when that, when that change happens. So. Absolutely. And, and leaning in with like education, like you said, like historically there's, there's farms and just operations that have been in, been working in a way for, for eons and eons, you know, but, uh, just providing data and, and education and resources to, 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 to look at this as an option, you know, whether it be in year one or year three, um, it's amazing just to lead with that. That way you're not forcing the issue and it's, uh, you're working in parallel as, as opposed to against, uh, uh, the farmers, you know, so, um, I mean, salmon safe, well, let's just ask the question, why, why salmon, uh, <laughs> Why is salmon protection so important? Um, could you give us kind of a a four one one of the current situation with the salmon in our uh, in our area? Um, how are they doing? Yeah, well, what uh, what a loaded question that definitely <laughs> is. Um, I'm not quite sure where to begin. Of course, I mean, why are salmon important? I think for anyone who who lives in an area where there are salmon uh, can can understand their intrinsic value. Um, whether you're part of a you know, indigenous community that's relied upon them for thousands of years, or if you're just someone like my coworker, Kevin, who's, you know, spent a large portion of his life commercial fishing for them in Alaska, or whether you just like to eat them, whether you like to watch them jump, like you go and see them spawn in a river, like salmon are just fantastic for so many reasons. Um, and I think it's important to note, um, too, that, you know, with a name like Salmon Safe, you know, I get this question a lot thinking that I'm like the salmon guru or that Kevin's the salmon guru. But I mean, we, we share salmon with so many people and and our standards in particular are not just looking at the health of salmon. They're looking at watershed health. And of course, there's a myriad of species that rely upon the health of the watershed as, as in, a, in a large food web. So, um, so yeah, I think it's important to keep that in mind. And um, how looking at how the, our landscape level approach helps that. But yeah, I mean, just to give a quick overview, if, if folks aren't as familiar with salmon in our region, we do have, you know, here in the Pacific Northwest, five native species of Pacific salmon. So the ones you all have heard of, Chinook, Coho, and Chum salmon, Sockeye salmon, and of course, pink salmon as well. And um, But within the family of Salmonidae, which is what, you know, salmon are in, there's also some other really, really cool species that we have here, um, we have the coastal cutthroat trout, which is an anadromous uh, cutthroat species that, that comes in the, uh, the sound and, and other places along the west coast and comes inland. And uh, the bull trout folks have probably heard of that as well. Um, they're just a really awesome species endemic to, you know, watersheds, you know, where where you are, Levi, in the Yakima Valley, actually, in, in that area. And, and then, of course, steelhead, which are anadromous rainbow trout. Um, they, they, of course, inhabit our waters and to get to the question of uh, kind of how they're doing, I mean, that's really the key question here. Um, and I guess in generalities, um, they could be doing a lot better. Um, we do have several <clears throat> federally listed uh, species as endangered or threatened. So you look at it from a watershed perspective and you look at um, how species at different points of the year are called runs, so a salmon run, uh, is, is different for, for watershed. So you can have a spring run, a fall run of, of Chinook in certain places and other salmonids. So, um, but just as a quick primer, there's some, um, there's the fall run of the Snake River, um, Chinook, uh, Puget Sound and Lower Columbia River Chinook. Um, 
those are all threatened. Uh, Upper Columbia, Chinook are endangered. And uh, at the state level, those are all federal, but at the state level, bull trout and uh, steelhead are are currently listed as candidates for being threatened as well in our state of Washington, I should mention. So, um, so yeah, in general, lots of really dynamic and amazing salmonid species, um, and in general as well, uh, all could be doing better for the various pressures that are put on them from a water quality and quantity perspective. No, yeah, I, I mean, and I, uh, oh, go for it, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry for j- jumping in here on Levi, but just to add uh, to what Brian's uh, uh, really excellent, you know, uh, depiction of the salmon status. And as I, as I said in my introduction, I represent salmon safe on policy issues. And so um, salmon safe has been invited to serve on uh, a region 10 EPA steering committee. Um, and, and um, most of the Columbia river basin is in region 10. And then also I've served on some NOAA Fisheries Federal Advisories Committees about salmon and then Columbia Basin Collaborative, which is a, the four-state initiative that is looking at trying to really, really effectuate consensus-based recovery plans, and which are really, really difficult to get that to consensus-based, but we're really striving to do that. And I bring this up, you know, Levi, maybe you have with this podcast, you have a web page or something like that where people can go to for links for, you know, for further information. Because not everybody's, you know, has the stamina or interest for a policy deep dive. But but let me, let me I think what's really cogent to this conversation we're having now is that the reason why Salmon Safe is invited to be on these federal policy um, working groups is because our connection with growers. They see us not as as agency people, and we, we're not polywonkish. It's because we, we are connected with users on the ground. And that's where the really, the in terms of policy, that's where our strength and power comes from. So really appreciate people like Peter and his family and uh, operations that, that give us that you know backing to be able to have and be at a voice at those tables. No, that's well put. I mean, and to both your points, you know, Salmon Safe may be the, the, the name or tagline for the, the, the certification, but it's, it embodies a lot more conservation for multiple, food, multiple species, uh, but more importantly, that watershed uh, uh, health, right? And Peter, as a grower, water is extremely important for you. So I understand like your uh, desire to, to begin uh, looking at this path to become Salmon Safe. So could you tell us a little bit about Sodbuster's uh, journey into becoming Salmon Safe, Peter? I'd love to. Um, so I grew up on the farm in the 80s and 90s. I'm fifth generation. And um, so I've, I've seen a lot of these changes, um, especially when, uh, when Brian was talking about transformation. Um, I, I see how that's a, that's a big part of it at the farm level. And um, I'd say for us, specifically our salmon safe journey started, um, I think our first certification was 2008. So um, for our hop farms, we were fairly early on. And um, from the family stories I've heard, uh, a lot of that comes down to my dad loves to fish, you know? Um, he uh, he was not a, ever a commercial fisherman like Kevin, but... Um, often travel up to Alaska to go fishing for, for salmon and halibut. Um, 
And I think that is part of the brilliance of Salmon Safe, um, that while it is quite wide ranging at the farm level, what the expectations are and mitigating impacts and including concerns to have it kind of focused on salmon um, as sort of like a, a key end point of entry. I think that really, that got our attention. Um, and and it was also their work with uh, Gail Goshi at Goshi Farms to kind of get the the, the application of this standard for hop farms. That, that really was our entrance to it. Um, and I, you know, I, I want to give my dad a little, a little shout out too for, uh, for really wanting to create a, a farm that would outlast him, that he could pass on to his children, and not only that, but lands that would be productive and healthy into the future. Yeah, so we've been uh, certified since then. There were a few years that we kind of we were going through our own transitions. And so I focused a little bit more on food safety on getting global gap certified. Um, but we were most recently recertified again in 2001. Awesome. No, that's, I mean, having stepped foot on that piece of property that you get to call home, uh, it's beautiful. And, and, and the, the reasons behind why you want to preserve it for not only the fifth generation, but I know there's sixth and seventh uh, oh, yeah. out there uh, in the Weathers uh, community. So it's uh, to be able to pass that down is, is a beautiful thing. And it's amazing that, you know, jumping into the certification, that's your lens of focus for, for the future. Um, could you talk about, I know you have a little bit of like experience on the operation side of things and like, how does this certification sort of influence uh, those operations or farming practices for you guys at, at uh, Sodbuster? Hmm. Well, there's there's a number of ways, and um, just a little caveat. Um, my cousin Alexa Weathers, who was on the podcast last year, uh, she spearheaded the our most recent Salmon Safe certification. So I'm kind of filling in for her a little bit today. But we had a good conversation about it. Um, so I have. I have some ideas of specific ways in which our salmon safe certification influences our day-to-day -day activities. Um, but even, even more than that, I mean, I'd say to, to your point, Levi, we've got lakes and wetlands and streams just threaded throughout our entire farm, in between our fields, right next to our, our farm blocks, um, right, by, right by our picking facilities. So we're really intimately aware of the connection with water and, uh, you know, besides even just needing to irrigate the plants, like we see, we see it every day and we see how rich the plant and animal biodiversity is in these areas. Um, and we also know the impacts when it's not, when it's not being attended to. Um, so I don't know. I mean, the things that Brian quickly listed are the big categories of ways that uh, being salmon safe certified has impacted our operations. Um, maybe one of the ways I'm most interested in is being clear about your process. Um, a, a lot of farms will, especially if they're not challenged, either regulatory, uh, through regulatory means or industry pressure, will kind of keep doing what's been working for them um, within the scope, the time frame that they're working. Um, which doesn't necessarily take into consideration longer term impacts 
or less direct immediate impacts uh, key species um, uh, downstream water effects um, so uh, one of the things that I think Sam and Steve has helped us do is be really clear about our process we have to write it down we have to be able to make sure it's communicated how do we scout the fields how do we make recommendations how are those captured um, how are those performed? What is the process for performing a spray? Um, where do we keep our fertilizer and our chemical? It's funny, it gets so granular, but it's all tied into making sure that we're aligned, that we are uh, following best practices, um, not only in how we do it, but in minimizing negative impacts. Uh, that includes integrated pest management, um, trying to reduce negative impacts to beneficial insects that, uh, you know, kill our two spotted spider mites. Um, so, you know, if we have, it's not, it's not ladybugs for spider mites, but there's some predatory mites. And if we make sure that we're taking care of them, they help take care of us. Um, so there's, and, and then we end up using less chemical and end up having to pay less. So it all kind of ties back together in the best, best case scenarios. Um, definitely minimizing uh, water use, or I should say using the right amount of water mm -hmm. in the right place at the right time. Um, uh, reductions in hazardous chemical use. Um, and that's one of the things that I appreciate the way that Salmon Safe works the best because they work with us. Um, to kind of figure out the best way to get out of some of the chemicals that can have some of the, the more deleterious effects. Um, minimizing tillage, uh, erosion control, use of cover crops, uh, definitely habitat restoration. Um, yeah, th these are things that for us, because we've been certified for a while and because sustainability for my dad has long been a goal, um, these weren't major changes for us. It was kind of minor tweaks. Um, but I've also been involved in other changes we've had to make to the farm that are kind of deep cultural changes too. Uh, but again, I just really think Sam and Safe does an excellent job of giving a rubric for achieving these things and uh, working, with, working with us to just improve our process. No, for sure. I think even for us at YCH, like processes are so important and you know, through our own internal checks and balances at the grower level, through our Green Chief program, we try to infiltrate not only uh, these larger certification bodies, but, you know, give growers opportunities that may not have experience looking at these, uh, like pivoting towards Salmon Safe or Global Gap. But for, in, for this instance, in the last six months, YCH has put a lot of attention on, you know, maybe just educating people on these opportunities that are out there. Um, and I think just kind of leading with education, providing case studies like Peter coming up and talking in a Green Chief. Um, Green Chief is our, a collection of growers getting together throughout the growing season to, to, to discuss things that are working, some things that are they have challenges with. Um, just those those real lived and learned experiences go a long way. So it can kind of help combat those sometimes tough decisions to uh, make changes, right? So um, understanding we're all humans and we all can just kind of connect to each other on that personal level, um, but also provide some real um, data and, and insight on how this has benefited not only the land, but uh, 
biodiversity on the farm and downstream effects as we will get into a little bit later at, at the brewery level too. Right. And just community focused. Right. So I, I also agree, Peter, once you start talking, you kind of like your mind starts going, you're like, Oh wow, this is connected to this. This is connected to this. And I think it's, it's really easy, uh, I guess to get lost in the sauce, but also at the end of the day, uh, you're all making, um, efforts, um, that are going to benefit so many people in so many different industries, um, and you have the privilege at the farm level to kind of initiate that change, which is pretty amazing. I'd say it's also a responsibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I mean, there's there's a lot of value that the land has provided us. And one thing that I love about agriculture is that we can set up the best conditions for a plant to grow, but it's not us making the plant grow. And the, the weather obviously is going to be a big factor every year. And as we see the climate changing, um, that becomes a, a bigger open question for how we adapt to that. But um, it, w- farms have a, have a pretty large impact on the environment, uh, the economy, um, our larger social structure. So, uh, you know, I, I feel there's also a bit of a responsibility for us to, uh, it's, you know, the old campsite rule of leave it better than you found it. But, um, I also think about the it was, the Kalapuya tribe had been on our land um, for thousands of years before um, the first uh, American settlers came in, about a mile away from our farm. We're down in the areas called Mission Bottom, um, some of the lowest areas of the valley. And um, the, the tribes of this area would talk about their, their management practices as uh, what are we going to do? How how are we leaving this place better for seven gen- generations into the future? So I find that really inspiring and really a call to action. The generosity that the land provides us to be similarly generous and thoughtful. Absolutely. Um, I mean, for for growers that might be listening into the the, um, the conversation today, uh, or just other listeners in general. Um, I mean, how does an organization approach salmon safe to begin the certification process like how long did it take uh sodbuster to accomplish this task um could you talk us through a little bit of that implementation part of that goes um a little beyond my more active participation on the farm back in 2008 2009 um when my father doug was really getting the ball rolling um so i can't speak about our initial application, certainly when Alexa took it on in uh, 2021 to get recertified, we were already in an advantageous position because we've been Global Gap certified a few years and we had previously been Salmon Safe certified. Um, But I would say that they are extremely approachable. I mean, you can tell from hearing Brian and uh, the amazing stories from Kevin um, and uh, also some of their their other staff members there, um, Dan and um, Anna, um, that Alexa has worked with, um, that they want us to be successful, ultimately. They want us to be able to achieve it. Um, And they want to maintain the um, validity, uh, the, the power of their standards. Um, and that's one of the things that I love about this collaborative, voluntary, industry-based method. Um, 
say that it were through regulatory changes that um, we had to immediately come into compliance with salmon safe certification all form farms across the board um, that would that would wreak havoc on our day-to-day process and our economic forecasting into the future um, be a, a, a huge uh, cultural change for some farms um, and some simply just wouldn't have the financial or people resources in order to implement that. So uh, again, another shout out to Sam and Safe on the way that they really work with us to get to a place where we will be successful because we all share the same goal. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's what I find really beautiful about this model. Um, so, you know, it really is just reaching out to them. It helps to look through the standards that are clearly listed on their website. Um, they have a lot of really great examples about how to fulfill each of them. Um, educating yourself. And then um, if a farm isn't in the place where they already have, uh, you know, procedures of how they, how they do different aspects of their operation or they haven't written down um, how they run their chemical program. Uh, that that's going to be one of the first major steps is to just get things in writing and kind of detail how things are done. Um, but again, I think Salmon Safe works with you pretty well on that. Um, you know, if you don't have maps, a, a lot of these things I think are are fairly standard practices in the hops industry now. But um, you know, you might as well take a few more steps and. Be able to say that you're salmon safe, that you're taking care of your land too, because that's that's good for our partnership with YCH. That's great for the brewers. It really provides value down the whole the whole supply chain. Um, that's something that consumers more and more want to see. Uh, so whatever challenges there are in learning about the standards, learning adjusting operations, and trying to meet some of the uh, some of the stricter requirements, it's it's kind of a no-brainer. It's so worth it. Awesome. No, I, I, I could see we're on a virtual call, and, and Brian and Kevin's heads are getting a little big right now. No, I'm just kidding. That was that was very, very well said, Peter. Um, I would agree. <laughs> in, 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 in my experience with Salmon Safe, it's just been a very open-door policy. Um, we've had many meetings where we've just sat down and, and chatted together. Um, we were talking before we jumped on the podcast today. Um, winter has has fallen uh in the pacific northwest and it's kind of hindered our abilities to to connect in person but um we're always looking for those opportunities to connect in person and just happy to have everybody on this call today um but i would going back to your kind of point peter you know you don't can't manage if you don't measure what you're doing and i think that's a great thing that salmon safe is doing is providing guidelines and clear expectations so people uh such as yourself and 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 business partners downstream at like a, um, in the, in the urban setting can understand what to do. So, um, well, you know, there might be, this was a question for you, Brian, um, certifications in general can have some, some, sometimes, uh, 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 barriers to, to enter. Right. Um, and I think one thing that in my discussions with you and your team that I find is very admi- uh, admirable of salmon safe is, uh, the ability to make, that an easy process for people to to get into if they're maybe not ready uh, from a resource perspective, but also just from a, a personnel perspective. Um, so, why did Salmon Safe, or how is Salmon Safe choosing to provide this kind of uh, 
uh, low cost to entry uh, and working with people interested in, in getting into this space? Well, that's a great question, but first I, I do have to say thank you, Peter, for those words. I will definitely take my inflated ego uh, beyond <laughs> this this podcast and uh, apply it to my to my week, which will be quite fun. So thank you again. And, um, and just as a quick point, um, it is really, you know, fun and exciting for me and I know for Kevin to work with growers such as the Weathers and the likes that have been on their lands for so long and um, and being inspired to, to make the, the changes incrementally and in the right direction. So uh, that's a win for us. It's uh, definitely a win for the salmon when that occurs. So we're really happy. So thank you again, Peter. And, um, yeah, so to talk a little bit about, you know, your question, Levi, um, yeah, our goal basically from the beginning has been to deliver uh, marketplace incentives to growers that are investing in those conservation practices. So um, with, that, with that said too, I mean, there is definitely a cost um, from a salmon on our side, on the salmon safe side, delivering these, you know, these science-based third-party certification to our West Coast growers, you know, uh, with our standards, as you mentioned, they are on our website. Like we cyclically do open those up uh, for comment and review um, and try to make them as robust as possible. That's um, generally on like a two to three year basis. And we'll do that. Um, but yeah, and I guess speaking a touch to the, the cost back to the point, uh, we're able to leverage uh, foundational funding and government funding to uh, reduce or even sometimes even entirely offset the cost of assessment to growers. Um, so like currently at the moment, if you're uh, a first time grower wanting to join our program and you're located on any tributary from like the John Day all the way up into the Okanagan uh, through Idaho and even uh, if you can believe it, even parts of Wyoming are in the Columbia Basin just south of Jackson. And so if you're a grower in those areas, we can offset the cost first time of growers given the offset funding that we've amassed. So that's just, again, aligned with our goal of trying to make it as uh, easy and accessible and reduce the amount of paywalls for folks. But um, just to speak a little bit more on, on that cycle. So we do operate on a three-year cycle and that fee, um, we do have a one-time fee at the beginning of each three-year cycle. And that usually ranges from you know, I've seen it around 400 to 1400, depending on the size and scope of the operation. Um, so, you know, as I mentioned, we do have that funding in place for that. So, um, and if a grower does need perhaps some additional financial support, I mean, we can look at it from a case by case perspective. Um, and we also can uh, work to help connect growers to other resources. So we, we have the assessment cost. So that's the cost of our third party assessor. Uh, who's conducting this assessment. Um, but for some growers, there are other costs involved. Like if you do need to put in, you know, more biodiversity enhancements, a riparian buffer, uh, that sort of thing. I mean, we do work to connect folks with their soil and water conservation district uh, if they don't already have relationships there. Uh, for me, I'm based up in, up in Washington, and um, I work largely with the uh, Washington State Conservation Commission, so the network of uh, conservation districts that um, work with growers boots on the ground in their regions and so uh, part of my job in in Washington is to be able to connect growers to their conservation districts when I know of certain programs that are coming down the pipe that offer offset funding for climate smart commodities or just generally better stewardship of their land so um, you know like there's the RCPP program equip uh, sustainable farms and fields is a new one just to name a few um, 
so yeah, so that's just the extension of, you know, offsetting the cost for growers and supporting them financially, but then also trying to connect them if there is additional um, efforts that need to be done on their farm to become, you know, as salmon safe as possible within our standards. That's awesome. Um, not a lot of companies or certification bodies go above and beyond to provide additional resources like that. So that's, uh, that's amazing. Um, I mean, how, I guess, going back to like just getting involved from your perspective, Brian, what is, uh, how would somebody get a, a come in and talk to you about getting salmon safe certified? What's the best approach in that regard? Well, definitely reach out. Um, you know, I definitely, uh, tried to be as approachable as possible. I don't think I, I don't think that's something I need to work on necessarily. And I'm glad that hopefully everyone shares that, uh, with, with myself and my salmon safe team. But yeah, I mean, you can visit us at salmonsafe.org. Uh, you can email us at info at salmonsafe.org. We do have social media. So we have an Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you still want to use Facebook, uh, you can certainly message us there. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you have colleagues as well, like if you're a prospective grower listening to this and you know of a colleague who's in our program, like by all means, you know, I, I, I welcome a discussion between, and I know this of course is already happening. Growers talk to each other, right? Which is as a part of the community, right? But if you are interested in our program and you want to ask someone that's already in it before reaching out to us, like, yeah, by all means, uh, because I think that peer to peer, um, feedback is is different of course because there's a, a higher level of conversation of how that applies to your farm um, that they can provide you so yeah i mean if they if you want to discuss it with other folks in the program or if you even don't know anyone and you want to talk to a grower and reach out to us like if you're like hey I, i'm curious but i'd love to talk to one of the growers in your program like we'd be happy to provide that so um so yeah all that is to say um it's pretty easy uh on our website or on our various social medias so awesome um, yeah, very approachable. Uh, let's just like dot the, dot the eye on that one. Um, I guess going back to you, Peter, one more question, uh, from your overall experience from the initiation to implementation, how has the process been? Um, just so, uh, we can kind of summarize that entire process for you guys and in, in your relationship with Sam and Safe. I think it's been pretty great. Um, again, I have most recent experience with our 2001 recertification. So it's not from the ground up um, or starting from mm -hmm. zero. Um, but it really helped us look at what are our practices with our riparian areas. Like I said, we have a lot of sloughs that run through the farm. Um, and so we really had to look at making sure that we had um, wide enough buffer zone around those areas. It really impacted um, our tillage, um, how many times we go through the hop rows. It changed some of those practices, um, which there's been other benefits to that as well. So sometimes the, the changes kind of compound on each other and you have even greater benefits. And then truth be told, I'll say that sometimes there's more expensive effects. Um, uh, probably one of the, the key areas that farmers will think about with Salmon Safe is the chemicals that are on the high hazard list, things that are, are not to be used. 
Um, and again, as part of the beauty of this collaborative voluntary method, um, uh, Sam and Safe is working with us to help us get off of those. Uh, I mean, there's an expectation that that's the direction that we're going. We're able to measure and monitor as that changes, and they work with us to help figure out how to how to achieve that. Um, but for example, Prowl is uh, a chemical on the high hazard list. It's a very effective pre-emergent spray um, that we have agreed not to use um, or use as little as we would otherwise. Um, and so that ends up costing us a little bit more when we have a little bit greater growth later on in the season that we need to cut back on. Um, so I'm not going to paint um, a picture that says you get certified and everything's beautiful. There are challenges. There's economic questions about this. But I think, it, again, it's our responsibility to face those um, because of just the size of our impact. Mm -hmm. um, and... Uh, again, this um, this method of working with an organization rather than have it dictated to us with no ability to maneuver or um, graduate into it, I think, makes all the difference. So I'm just really such a, a fan of this sort of model. And I mean, the benefits to us are pretty clear. I can come on here and talk about all the great things our farm is doing. And um, it, it really is something that brewers, number one, are looking at um, quality and smell and what they're needing to fulfill for whatever they're brewing. Um, but in addition to that, they want to know that you're taking care of the land that you farm, you're taking care of your people and your food, the, the hops are safe to consume. And... Um, yeah, so so I I think it's been for us a good process, but it was it was also many years. You know, we didn't. I don't know that we had drip irrigation in all of our fields when we first applied. So there's an outlay of costs, definitely not as much as Global Gap, and um, and and the certification cost for Salmon Safe is very reasonable. Um, and I don't know, it, it always makes me, it's not that I cringe when I hear that it's a good marketing tool because it's much more than that, but it, it, is, it is a good addition to your story about your farm. And the farm is a brand and we want to connect with our brewers. We want to stay uh, tight with our, um, our partnership with YCH and we want consumers to enjoy our product so it just really fits in that whole ecology really well for us well 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 said um i agree kind of starting local having your ambassadors on the farm reaching out into your community that community goes out into other communities whether it be a, a brew house or you know a supermarket or whatever they're talking about this kind of certification they're talking about like this responsibility that all kind of predates and goes back to that farm level management so um, it's very much connected and, and uh, I'm excited to kind of change gears here in a little bit to kind of talk about that uh, downstream effect, if I could throw a pun in there, um, considering we're talking about water and salmon. But uh, yeah, that was awesome. Holy smokes, we covered a lot of great content in today's episode and we decided to split this up into two episodes. So please stay tuned for part two as we deep dive into what it means to be salmon safe from the brewers 
perspective. Thank you.